Hello and welcome to Inside Modular, the podcast of commercial modular construction brought to you by the Modular Building Institute. With a compact footprint, variety of unit options, and seamless system management, city multi-variable refrigerant flow zoning systems from Mitsubishi Electric Train HVAC US are a one-stop solution for modular projects. With efficient operation and the ability to connect to commercial ventilation equipment, third-party systems, and comprehensive control solutions, City Multi VRF can help you meet energy and performance goals on your next project. From off-site development to on-site assembly, you can trust our manufacturer-level support to guide you from system selection to design to startup, no matter the application. To learn more about our offerings, visit MitsubishiPro.com. Welcome everyone, my name is John McMullen and I'm the Marketing Director here at MBI. Today I'm talking with John Barrett, President at Banksia. John joins us today to talk about the state of current fire safety codes and how to choose the best fire-rated assembly for a modular building. John, welcome. John, thanks a lot. Uh, So tell me about yourself, John. How did you get your start in the industry and how were you introduced to modular construction? Uh, So I was studying mechanical engineering at the University of of Sydney in Australia and uh, I started interning for a fire and risk firm there uh, for some time and then eventually started full-time there for a couple of years and then I moved over to New York uh, in around 2006 where I've been for for about 15 years now Uh, and I work for a design firm called Arup, a global design firm. So uh, it was there in around 2012 that I got involved in my first modular project, uh, 461 Dean Street, which um, you know, for folks that haven't heard of that project, it's a 32-story uh, volumetric modular project uh, located in Brooklyn. And so tell me about your role uh, with Banksia now. What is Banksia focused on as a company? Yeah, so Banksia is a, a fire life safety consulting firm. So we provide code consulting, performance-based fire engineering, uh, fire protection design and inspections. What's the landscape now for fire codes in the U.S.? Is it is it state by state, or are there federal standards that you guys? Yeah, great question. So um, th- there isn't a, a federal code that that governs all all buildings. That would be nice. And, it would be nice. Uh, that would be would be great. But um, for for the time being, uh, the the ICC uh, produces model codes, um, so the International Building Code, etc. Those are then adopted by the states um, and they do have variations from state to state, and those are for two reasons. One, uh, each of the states might adopt a different version or edition of the, the, the code. It could be the 2018 or 2021. Uh, and then they make their own amendments to those, those codes and standards as well. Um, there are some exceptions to that. So for federal projects, you might have GSA design standards or Department of Defense standards that are federal, but they're usually an extra layer of those, those other Gotcha. So the the ICC building codes and the fire safety codes are really one and the same. That's right. That's right. And the amendments could be, you know, in states like Wyoming, there aren't any amendments to the the model code. But in in a city like New York or state of California, the amendments are really substantive and and they vary pretty substantially. So how often um, do the fire safety codes get updated? Is it any more often than the building codes themselves? They're similar. So um, it's usually on a three-year cycle for the model codes for, for ICC and 
many states adopt on a similar cycle. Um, some some locations like New York City are on a slower cadence, so more like six years. So, as the president of Banksy, as a as a consulting firm, uh, what challenges do you face when dealing with modular buildings? Are they are they different from traditionally built buildings? Great question. So, I mean, the the end state with modular is always the same. You're trying to build a, a space that people love and that's functional and all those those things. It's really about about the process. Um, thinking about design in terms of manufacturing and assembly. So, how does that that process influence your design? So. Um, for us, that means thinking about the types of materials that you're using for fire-rated assemblies in modular construction. It's about thinking of which aspects of the fire-rated assemblies are being constructed in the factory versus which elements are being done on-site and finishing of those, those assemblies. And then, I think lastly, thinking through some things that you don't need to think about for traditional construction, which is... Um, how do you take care of those materials during transportation and storage on site? Gotcha. So tell me about the fire-rated assemblies themselves. Uh, what options are, are manufacturers and builders typically working with uh, when they're constructing a modular building? Yeah, so it certainly varies. Um, and, and each modular manufacturer has different preferences and, and also um, it varies by their, their process. So you know, they may have different priorities in terms of what they're doing. Uh, by and large, though, um, most manufacturers are trying to avoid wet trades, so things like spray-applied cementitious coatings or um, factory-applied intermittent paints because um, they, have, they have to dry and they have to cure, and sometimes they require additional coats of, um, you know, to achieve their fire resistance. So uh, what we typically see are uh, fairly common materials like gypsum, panels or gypsum boards, cement boards, floor systems, um, and, and you know those are the those are the primary ones. But we're also seeing innovations in, in the marketplace. So you know folks like USG developing the Structurecrete product, uh, product, which is very tailored to modular. We see other fire stuffing manufacturers that are starting to think about products that could be more modular friendly. So um, it continues to evolve. Awesome. So, and this may be of interest to, to some of our members who deal with buildings and container buildings. Uh, what can you tell me about the differences between uh, the fire-rated assemblies for modular and for container-based buildings? Are they, are they different? Yeah, the, many of the concepts are similar, but um, it, it still comes back to how the structure performs and, and shipping container-based structures do have a slightly different you know, you know, way in which they perform structurally and, and thinking about that. So, um, you know, you're, you're thinking about the container itself. It has a, a corrugated metal panel uh, on all six sides and, and you need to be thinking about um, how to maintain continuity of the floor system, the fire to floor system and, and the walls themselves, uh, which is a slightly different challenge to uh, volumetric modular. You're still thinking about continuity of the floor system and continuity of the walls, but the, the underlying structure is, is different. So whether it's whether it's modular or container, how do you go about determining what kind of fire-rated assembly is right for a particular project? Is it based on the, the size of the material, the layout of the building? Yeah, so that piece of it is, is very similar to conventional construction. So how many stories, uh, the height of the building, the use or occupancy of the building, 
those are still the, the ways in which the building codes tell you what fire ratings you need. Um, but ultimately, for modular construction where it varies, I think is where we start to think about what's the modular manufacturer's process, how, how are we going to design the systems to be really suitable for that process and, and, and where they're at in terms of their, their design and their, their preferences. And then I think some other things that are even more critical for, for modular is thinking about supply chain, uh, both in terms of its reliability, not just in COVID, but pre-COVID, um, and the diversity of that supply chain. So um, there might be specific products that are that are really effective, but if there's only one supplier, it's a proprietary product, there's, there's pros and cons to that. So if you want competitive pricing, you need to think about alternatives there too. So. How about the the units themselves, the prefabricated units, uh, an individual module of a building, for example, uh, does each unit need to be uh, tested and inspected before installation, or is testing only done when a building is complete? Great question. So, it, when we're talking about inspections, um, there's kind of two aspects. There's thinking about the work that's done in the factory or in the manufacturing plant and then the work that's done at, at the site. Um, and so typically for modular projects, you'll have a combination of both types of inspection. Um, a portion that's, uh, of the work needs to be inspected in the factory where you still have MEP systems and structure exposed, fireproofing as well, fire stop system. And then where you're doing finished work, site work, that work needs to be inspected as well at, at the site. Uh, I was wondering if you could uh, describe how the inspections are done. Um, I, I was preparing for this uh, interview and it made me think, I used to work uh, for a mattress manufacturer and I was thinking about the mattress burn test. They, they burn the top, they burn the side, uh, and it's got to pass this very specific kind of test. What's the, what's the process for a building or a module? Um, what are you looking at specifically and, and how does a building pass? Yeah, well, if we're, if we're talking about um Kind of special inspections and um, and those kind of things. Um, it's really similar to conventional buildings in that you're you're making sure that the constructed condition matches the the approved plans. So whether that be for fireproofing or structure or you know plumbing or, or whatever, um, you know, and and so I think that's that's that uh, piece of it. And then your example of sort of the mattress, I think you're also t perhaps talking about fire rated tests as well, or, or fire testing, and that, that piece of it gets really um, interesting for modular construction because you do have to think about uh, the connections between modules um, and how to test those. There aren't procedures necessarily to test for joints between modules and, and joints between walls um, in, in, quite, in quite the same way as with so there is a lot of thought given to how to do that for, for modular projects and how to test those effectively. Is there a project that you've worked on that, that sticks out in your mind as being uh, particularly challenging or complex? And, and what were you able to learn from that experience? Yeah, I think most modular practitioners would say their first modular project was, was where they learned uh, hmm. a, a lot. And I think that's the same for me. 461 Dean Street was a really, you know, uh, an amazing project, but a lot of challenges. The devil is, is certainly in the details and, and thinking about uh, lessons learned. You're, you're thinking about um, you know, the design and then thinking about 
variations that you might have in various systems, various wall assemblies or floors uh, for different conditions in the building, thinking about how to deal with tolerances in the field and how to make adjustments there. And then, um, we did a, a tremendous amount of fire testing on that pr project um, and, and thinking about how you can design those fire tests, whether it be instruments like thermocouples or just the way in which you test it so that you could use that data for future optimization that you might do for that project or another project. So there was really a lot there um, on that one. But uh, I think the projects that, that I've, I've learned a great deal on as well, we did some work on Citizen M Bowery in New York, which was an 18-story project, um, different structural system. But one of the key differences was the, the modular manufacturers based in Poland for that project. So we had to think about uh, the supply chain aspect of it, thinking through not just the fire rate of assemblies, but also um, each of the different components now might be getting sourced from a different country or different location, and they might need to meet uh, component level tests, so flame spread rating or combustibility and things like that. So it really added a different layer of complexity. Uh, and we continue to learn on, on every project that we that we do. How do you conduct those tests? Well, you just mentioned, you know, taking an individual component. Uh, is that done in a, in a laboratory somewhere? Is that done, um, you know, in a, in a some sort of facility that you guys have? Or is it you work with other people? How does that work? Yeah, we typically help modular manufacturers figure out what tests they need to do and the best way to do that. Uh, we don't conduct the fire testing ourselves. We typically work with them uh, for a couple of different vendors that might be able to do that for them. There, there are many in the U.S. and, and elsewhere. Um, the test standards are a specific procedure. Uh, it's very prescriptive in terms of what they need to do. So for, for a combustibility test, there's a certain apparatus that needs to test for that, and it has pass-fail criteria and, and so on. Where it becomes... Um, more complex is when you're dealing with assemblies. I mentioned earlier floor assemblies or joints between floor assemblies. That's where there's a lot of potential customization and thought that we put in to help manufacturers set those tests up and we'll work together with them and the test facility to get the right setup. Gotcha. So if I'm a if I'm a builder, I'm a manufacturer, when am I calling you? Am I calling you when I'm designing the building or do I have a building? Yeah, so we... Um, we certainly advocate for um, being involved during research and development for modular manufacturers. Makes That's, sense. Uh, when there's a little less pressure on and, and you know they're not on the clock, um, we certainly do get involved in projects or, or with clients for the first time on a project, and that's fine. We just need to really you know work quickly and, and effectively to make sure they get this work done. And the reason why is because fire testing takes time. These these facilities have long lead times really long lead times for some of the bigger ones like UL and, uh, and Intertech. Um, and so, you know, you need planning, you need to figure out what the design is, what we're going to test. You need to test it, and if it passes, great. If it doesn't, you need to do some optimization, then you have to factor that in. So um, with modular, uh, one of the big selling points is the speed of construction, right? And so if you're adding fire testing and you're starting from zero, um, you know, at the beginning of a project, that puts pressure on that schedule. So we're always advocating for getting involved uh, before a project starts. Gotcha. So if you're getting involved before a project starts, are you able to do any sort of testing at the at the digital stage? If a if a company has a you know project and they've 
They've got it in BIM. Are you able to, to look at that and and apply any sort of tests or, or look for any uh, weaknesses there? Or do you have to have a physical, uh, something to test physically? Yeah, that, that makes sense to me. Yeah, so we, we can do a couple of different, different things. So we can do basic kind of qualitative uh, analysis, so looking at other testing for those materials or assemblies that might have existing UL listings or, or so on, and we can start to figure out um, you know, what the likelihood of success is for a given uh, component or assembly. Um, we can also do calculations that can support that, so hand calculations. And depending on the material and the arrangement, we can also do fire modeling, uh, which is looking at heat transfer of elements. Uh, we typically don't need to do that early on. We can use some of those other methods I mentioned before fire testing, but uh, on occasion we can do that as well if needed. Cool. What's the future of fire resistance and, and testing? You mentioned uh, near the top of the interview uh, new materials that USG was coming out with. Um, uh, I was wondering if you could revisit that uh, just for a second. What, what are those new materials or processes uh, that we should be looking out for in the next few years? Yeah, I think what what we've started to see is, is I, I gave a few of those examples where um, suppliers are starting to think more about modular construction and tailoring their products. I think that's going to that trend is going to continue. There are only a few that are really thinking about that. Um, we, we've got a couple of examples where there's really a more of a co-development between suppliers of fire stop systems or fire rated products and modular manufacturers. So they're working together to develop a product that works for that manufacturer. Um, so I think that'll continue. Um, I also think you know, to my point around R and D. I think it more and more module manufacturers are going to be um, including their fire rated R&D uh, development in their secret source. So that's really, you know, traditionally you hear them talk about structural connections and things of that nature being part of their secret source. I think the fire rated assemblies are um, more and more going to be you know, part of that. Um, the other couple of things I think is, you know, mass timber, there's a, an increasing interest in volumetric or modular mass timber. We haven't really seen that in the US market yet. Um, and then also how decarbonization as that starts to enter the, uh, you know, the development of these products, how that then changes how these different components will be developed. It's going to introduce a new wave of testing that needs to take place. So lots to come. Very cool. Um, what, What's something you wish your clients knew about fire safety and fire protection plans? Uh, so I, I kind of touched on the, the R&D piece. That's really critical, uh, is, is really thinking about this with four projects. Um, the other thing I, I probably want to cover is um, architects are typically responsible um, for documenting the code compliance, uh, including life safety and, and things like fire rated walls and the like. And, and fire protection engineering is really a specialist uh, area. So we're always trying to advocate for someone like Banksia to be involved in these projects to help deal with that. Architects have a lot on their plate, and this is just one, one piece of their responsibility. So we can really help to you know, get projects on the right track in this regard, particularly for modular. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. So uh, we're almost done, but I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that you will be joining us at our uh, World of Modular uh, conference in April. You'll be presenting there. Uh, tell me about your World of Modular presentation. What will attendees learn and, and what are you excited to share? 
thanks, Dan. It's it's my third year of World of Modular, so I'm you know really looking forward to it again. It's a, it's a it's a great event, and um, so my the title of my presentation is Fire Rated Assemblies for Modular Construction. Um, it will cover some of the things that we've talked about today, with a real emphasis on carefully considering uh, fire rated assemblies in modular construction and the differences that that are in modular construction in more detail than we've covered covered today. Some of the key challenges. Uh, I'll, I'll cover some of the lessons learned from some of the projects I've mentioned and some some more recent projects we've been involved with, and then some of the best practices that we've also learned on those projects. So um, we've presented in the past at World of Modular. And, I find we, we get new questions and, and folks that haven't heard this before, and so just try to, to beat it up. Well, hopefully we can send a few people your way. If uh, if you're listening and this has been at all interesting, please find John at uh, World of Modular. I'm sure he has much more uh, to say. Uh, thanks, John. I really appreciate you taking some time out of your day for me, and I look forward to seeing you in April at World of Modular. Thanks, John. Thanks so much. My name is John McMullen, and this has been another episode of Inside Modular, the podcast of commercial modular construction. Until next time.